Welcome to Energy in Action. I'm your host, Marcy Young, and as a Mito patient myself, I appreciate you and the community you've helped us to build. This podcast honors the triumphs and struggles of patients and families affected by this disease and celebrates the work being done by doctors and researchers every day to make it a safer world for our people. We are a support group and a podcast focusing on all things related to mitochondrial disease. Hello, welcome everyone to another episode. I wanted to start this episode just to say a little bit about me. I've been really struggling the last two weeks. I've had a really bad respiratory infection. It flared up many of my mitochondrial symptoms. I've been irritable. I've been a physical mess. And it's tough, too, because this type of infection is going around. And so many people I know have it. And they've had it. And they've recovered from it. And I'm still fighting it. I'm trying to get better. But it takes me forever to get back to my baseline. My husband suggested that I reschedule the recording of today's episode, and I disagreed. I, I want to push myself when I feel like I can, because on many days I can't push, and I feel like I really don't have it in me, but today I do. So as you all know, we have many days that we feel extremely low. So excuse my nasally voice, but I want to trudge forward and, and do this episode with Jen Owens. She's a fabulous woman. I've really enjoyed getting to know her, and I'm proud to have her on the show. She's ready to share her personal journey about her life with Mido. She you know, wants to talk about her diagnosis, her family, and it's important for her story to be shared, but also for her to teach our community what it means to advocate for oneself and for their family. And she does this job very well. I would sleep better if I knew that Jen was my advocate. So welcome, Jen. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into the mitochondrial community. Well, it's been a long journey for us over many years of failing health with myself with my kids and that whole runaround that you get with doctors and trying to figure out what's going on and all of those fun things. And then I had just reached a point about a year ago where I found MitoAction um, and the resources that they have to get involved, to get support and that sort of thing, because I had just kind of reached a really tough point in my journey and just really was desperate for some extra resources and support. And so that's kind of how I stumbled into that community. And you say that the support groups have really done a lot for you, have made a really big impact. Oh, absolutely. Like hands down, like it literally was life altering for me because, you know, I'm a very positive person. I'm a, you know, go with the flow. There's nothing we can do about it. Let's see, you know, what options do we have? This is the hand you're dealt, deal with it. But I had kind of reached a point in my journey where, you know, once my muscle biopsy came back, I had had some complications from that procedure and then just steady disease progression, like very quickly. And it was just happening so fast for our entire family. And it was really starting to take a toll on my mental well-being because you know, you can only go so many days in a row of bad days. Like it's helpful if you have a couple of bad days and you have a break, that's great. But it's like there was no break. And so just that steady progression. And I just was really, really struggling. So getting involved with the groups, even even weeks, like when I don't have much to say, like, 
and I'm just there. I'm just listening and I might be multitasking at the same time. That's fine, but I make it a point to never miss group because it has been so important to me. Like just having the the structure and the routine every week and you never know what you're going to come into when you come to group. You don't know what's going to come up and you know, and I and I like that. I like the fact that, you know, you can come in and see that everybody has these days, you know, or when I would reach a point, like there was a point where I needed to start using an AFO and a cane. And again, mentally, I was struggling with that so much. And it was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't care if I fall on my face. I'm not going to use these things. And being able to bring that to group was, again, just it was it made such a difference because, you know, at that point I was okay with accepting what needed to happen and, you know, how I needed to go about doing it. And, you know, since I've gotten my daughter involved in the one for the younger people, and again, she never misses group if, I mean, if it's at all possible, like she's there every, every Friday night and it's really made a huge difference in her life as well because she sees that she's not the only one of her age that's struggling. It's important to feel a sense of community, especially when you have something that is so rare and it's hard to find others in your, you know, typical community, people that can really understand what you're going through. Yes, definitely. Now, Jen, you spent most of your life not knowing that you had a mitochondrial disease, correct? Correct. I spent, gosh, 15 years at least with the back and forth, oh, you have lupus. Oh, I don't think it's that. It's connective tissue, something or another. Oh, no, it's definitely lupus. Just all of the back and forth because it seems to be like the go-to. I think sometimes trying to put you in that direction with the autoimmune stuff. And those are the more familiar conditions. Exactly. My mom said, yeah, that for years, doctors were telling her she had lupus, muscular dystrophy. I remember the confusion for her. Yes. And it, it, and then that creates a whole other set of issues. And that's why I push so hard every day because like, I don't want my children to have to go through the same things that I've had to go through. I'm hoping by by that point, things are more clear and they can, you know, they have better options and, and all of that good stuff. I remember the first time we talked, you said something so powerful. You And it's something that really hits home for me. You said, I don't want my kids to have to fight as hard as I do. And it, it, it always seems like a fight, I feel like. And even though I have great providers, it and practitioners and and the support of Mito Action, it feels like I'm just fighting really hard. So I hear you with that line. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what you mean by that? Yeah, just the whole lupus thing in itself. Like, you know, I now have Cushing's and I'm going to be steroid dependent the rest of my life because of the fact that I was put on the steroids and kept on the steroids. And it one point very I mean very high dose steroids every single day that was just doing mass destruction and you know it's like so now I have this whole other set of issues because they were trying to treat something that I didn't have you know so so that that by itself is is a, a big problem and I don't want my kids to have to go through that and I don't want them to have to 
you know, fight for, it's like every day, you know, you're on the phone with doctors or trying to get prior offs or trying to sign up for new insurances and get these things taken care of. And you're explaining to somebody like, this isn't just a, hey, I need to go to the pharmacy and pick up my prescriptions. Like, I have $100,000 at least worth of medical supplies that are delivered to me on a monthly basis. Like there cannot be a break in that flow. Like these are things that keep me going on a day-to-day basis and there can't be a gap in that. So just the constant, it seems like there's just, it's never ending. Just the constant fight, whether it be for medical care, whether it be for you know, supplies and medications and things that you need. It's a lot. It's a lot to to juggle. It takes up a lot of mental space. <laughs> it does. It really, really does. Like there are days and I'm just like, listen, I'm done. Okay. I don't think I can even process anything else at this point in time. Like, And being a mom takes up a lot of mental space as it is. And to add all of this onto it. It does. And I, and sometimes I feel guilty about that because my kids will be like relentless with questions about something totally small. And it seems like, oh my gosh. And I'm just like, I, I don't even know right now. Like I cannot, I cannot think about that at this moment. So now once you had your diagnosis, did you then go get your kids diagnosed? No. So it actually, my daughter and I were kind of running parallel with major issues. We were trying to get answers for her. Then, you know, my health is failing. You know, she's never been totally well, the, the, my middle child. And she had gone in for a surgery and didn't wake up from anesthesia. And then she was, they flighted out six days later. They're like, listen, something metabolic is going on. When she woke up, she woke up with just a long list of things, abnormal EEGs, tachycardia, neuropathy, like all of these things happening and things just spiraled out of control. So we were desperately trying to find answers for her and figure out what metabolically was going on. Meanwhile, I am dealing with the lupus that they thought I had all of this time. My health was declining. And this was, I'd say in 2019, finally, at that point, I was hospitalized. My lactic acid was through the roof and they were like, wow, she's septic. I was in a local hospital. It was a hot mess because again, they're not used to dealing with anything big at all. And anything that could potentially be, you know, even slightly out of the ordinary. And I had been transferred to a major medical center. And at that point, because they were like, she's not septic, like there's something else happening here. And that's when we realized that not a single day goes by that my lactic acid is normal. And that is also very difficult for even providers to understand. Because typically, if you go in with high numbers like that, it's not good. And it causes all sorts of confusion at times. So basically, at that point, we realized, all right, this is what we need to be looking for with her. She has since developed high lactic acid as well, as well as all of her other things. Um, So again, we were kind of running parallel, but we thought it was two totally different scenarios going on. That's when we realized that it 
was likely the same. Wow, that had to have been really tough. It probably just felt like this huge puzzle that you couldn't put all the pieces together for. But at a much more serious level than a game at your dining room table. Exactly. But at that point, it was almost, I don't want to say a relief, in, but in some sense, it kind of was because then I felt like we had a little bit better direction in looking for her. So it kind of helped put us on the path of where we kind of needed to go with that. And the thing, because we, we had focused so much on checking her ammonia levels. Like when she would have these cycles and these episodes, they were checking her ammonia and it had nothing to do with that. We should have been checking her lactic acid the entire time. Um, but we didn't know that until, you know, that happened with me. Your fingers weren't on the right pulse. Exactly. And it's really hard to get there. And I feel like everybody that I talk to for the show, and I get the sense too when I talk to my own physicians that it's really hard to pinpoint this condition. And so many of us also live in towns and cities around the country that don't have a mitochondrial specialist. Exactly. We drive an hour and a half one way for even primary care because all within that major medical center and everything's in one system, which has to happen when you have 15 specialists going on, they have to be able to effectively communicate without there being any, oh, well, I called them and they didn't call me back, you know, that whole runaround. So at that point, we ultimately had to switch. No, not even, not even for a split second. And, and that's the thing. So we ultimately ended up switching even primary care over there, which is great because it's a teaching hospital there. You know, I've been really fortunate with the providers that I've had there. For the most part, it's been pretty seamless. So that has definitely been very helpful. And it's helpful when the kids need referrals too, because again, we're we're all in, in that same system. So, but that also means that if I need an ER, which if I stub my toe, stubbing my toe could then turn into something else very quickly. So it's like, you know, if I need something even minor, I have to drive an hour and a half to this hospital because, you know, we learned our lesson, unfortunately, with the local facility before that they're just not equipped to handle it. So it is, that is definitely a challenge, especially when things get wonky and things get out of control very quickly. Like when I've had surgery complications after my biopsy, we literally got in the door and I fell asleep for an hour and woke up and we realized there was a serious problem and then have to turn around and drive an hour and a half back while I'm bleeding, you know? So it's a struggle and it's very unpredictable. I've learned throughout time, especially with that, every time I go to the ER, I am likely not coming home. Does not matter what I'm going for, I'm going to be staying. So it's, I feel like for the last four years, I've literally had bags packed because all of the times that I'm in the hospital, there's things that you realize you want or you need when you're there and you're so far away. So it's like, I just feel like I have to always be prepared and it's been very handy. I will say that, you know, but basically just keeping a mental list over the years of 
what all was I missing when I was there? (laughs) Because I might have gone in and not come home for two whole weeks, you know. But that's so smart of you. It just feels like constant planning. I mean, I could see myself getting frustrated and not wanting to have that backpacked because, you know, looking at that bag is a reminder that I might, you know, need to be going to the hospital sometime soon. But you're the right one. I mean, I would be incorrect in my thinking, you know, and I hope that that's a good um, nugget of wisdom for some of our listeners out there. You really want to think through your future steps. It's a, it's a game of chess that we're always in the middle of. And you have to put aside the mental aspect of, you know, initially I was like, oh, I don't want to see these bags. You know, oh, I don't want to have this. But I realized how many times I've been hospitalized and how many times it's happened in, you know, I wake up and, oh crap, we have to go to the hospital. And then what? And then I'm forgetting things and it's such a long drive. So I just, I literally, I have a duffel bag with like, because I I don't like to wear hospital gowns. I feel like I deal with enough medical stuff that when I'm in the hospital, I want to feel as normal as I possibly can. And so I have three days worth of clothes in there at least. And then of things that I wouldn't typically wear that can be kept in the bag. And then I have my bag with extra chargers and a watercolor palette and, you know, things that I know that at times I've been there and I'm like, man, I really wish I had this with me, you know, to pass the time or to, to whatever. And so I have, you know, that bag, or if there's things like gum or something specific that I want, it never fails. I get there and I'm like, Oh man, I'm really wanting this. You know, I keep those things in that bag. And so it's been great and it's used unfortunately too much, but it has been extremely beneficial because like I said, in those moments when I already know I have to drive an hour and a half to get there, the last thing I need to worry about is trying to figure out what I'm taking with me. So it's, you grab the bags, you go. Is it physically possible for you to drive the 90 minutes? You mean as far as me actually driving? Yeah. It depends on the scenario. So there have been times I have gone myself if I'm able to drive it myself. And there have been times when I have not been able to drive myself. So, you know, like when I had the complications from the muscle biopsy, that was not something that, that was definitely not a time I would, I would have been able to drive. So, so yeah, it, then you, you need to coordinate someone who can help you with transportation, but then that leaves your kids and the list goes on and on. It's, it's really, it's so tough. And a lot of the stories that we share on this podcast, they have similar threads, but I think the thread is really important for our listeners to hear that, you know, this is what we struggle with and it's tough. Yes. But you, you're such a wonderful advocate for yourself. And I hear it with everything that, that you talk about. Do you feel like you advocating for yourself? Do you feel like that's important because you're teaching your kids to do the same because you want to make life easier for your kids? Yes. And I try to make sure that every day that I am getting that through to them, that first of all, at the end of the day, they have got to advocate for themselves because I've said it a million times when, for example, when you're in the hospital and you have a team of doctors the or nurses or whoever 
these people are going to go home at night to their person, to their children, to their husband, whatever. And at the end of the day, you are one of many patients. So if something happens to you, if there's an error, whatever, they're going to be like, oh, I remember that patient. Oh man, that's a bummer. They're still going home to their family. But at the end of the day, you are the only one that's coming home to your family. You are everything to your family. So at the end of the day, you're a number to them and not necessarily, I'm not saying that they don't care, but essentially you are a number to them and they're still going home to their family, but it's important that you return home to your family. So mistakes get made, things happen, things fall through the cracks and you can't let that happen. And so I really want to instill in my kids that this is a fight they're going to have their entire lives, first of all. They have to advocate for themselves. But aside from that, even the day-to-day stuff, you know, I struggled with getting my daughter to take her supplements for her mitococktail. Now, granted, the group has really changed that a lot, her opinion and her feelings on that. But I tell her, like, you know, she wants to participate in certain activities that require lots of energy. Okay, well... If you're not taking the supplements that you're supposed to be taking, you're not going to do that because at the end of the day, when your body doesn't have enough energy to power your heart correctly or your kidneys correctly because it's burnt out from what you've done, you know, so I, I try to teach them they have to invest in what they need to do to feel better too. You know, what do they need to do? to make their quality of life better. And even on on bad days, like if I, you know, have my fluids running and I'm accessing my port and pulling a pole around, but I have the energy to do something, I'm going to do it with my pole behind me, you know? And I said, sometimes you just have to grab your pole and go. Like, I mean, I have literally had to do a grocery pickup when I have had my stuff running and I have to clip it to the visor and get on my way, you know, like, because things happen. So there are just times when you just have to, you know, that, and and I also stress the importance of pacing. That is super important. And so I'm, I try to teach them about pacing themselves as well. Um, because I am notorious for, oh, I feel great today. Let me just do this, 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 and this. And then I'm paying for it. So we've learned over time what things are effective as far as, as pacing for, you know, on days that I am able to cook. I love to cook and I love to cook a lot of food. But realistically, people eat dinner in the evening. Well, we don't. For our family, it works because... I'm home. The kids are homeschooled. We have started making our large meal, our dinner around, you know, say one or so, because for me at that point in the day, I still am able to do it and still am able to clean up. But if I have to wait until five or six o'clock, the pressure's on and, and I'm by that point, I'm done. So it's like, we've had to just learn these little things that we've had to tweak over time. And then in the evening, if, you know, at typical dinner time, they can have cereal or make a sandwich or whatever, and that's fine, or have leftovers. And, you know, another thing I had learned is that on days when I'm feeling well, I 
make food and I make extra food. And then I've learned that pretty much everything freezes well. And so basically I take these containers and I portion out a meal. I'll put the green beans and the meat and the mashed potatoes and whatever in the container, label it and freeze it. And then on days when I am not well or am in the hospital or whatever, the kids have actual meals that they can just pull out. And we do the same thing with leftovers because I don't want it to go to waste. So we fix up plates and freeze them. And so these are just things that I I try to teach the kids every day because they're going to need this in their future. They're going to need this going forward. And these are unfortunately things that I learned the hard way. And I don't want them to have to learn the hard way. You're so wonderful. You're so wonderful as a person and as a mother. You give of yourself so much. I just, all these ideas come to mind when we talk and I think about like how you really make me want to think about my life differently, you know, and what else I can do to better my life. And that's, that is what's great about Mito Action is that we're bringing people together that can really inspire one another. And you have done that for me. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, you are more than welcome. Now, Talk about inspiring. Let's get into Buddy Ball. Can you tell our listeners what you've done with this? Because there might be people listening that this program is in their wheelhouse. It could be not too far for them to participate. Yes, it is amazing. We just finished up our second season. We had a spring season and then we just finished up fall. It is a program basically because our kids play softball. We, you know, as a family, like we are a softball household. And um, I mean, there we literally this last season were scheduled there seven days a week at the field. And like, that's just our, our second home. And so um, we are definitely passionate about softball. My youngest has, you know, also just as a a little bit of back history there, she, you know, we were told she'd never walk. She'd never talk. She was J tube dependent. She still can't swallow liquids, but she walks, she talks, she plays regular softball. Um, She's cognitively delayed and all of these things. So she has been kind of our sort of our inspiration behind wanting to get this up and running with our local league. And, So basically, this is a program um, where kids of any level of disability are able to play softball. It doesn't matter if they are in a wheelchair, if they have a J-tube, a port, if they are on the spectrum, if they're verbal, nonverbal, you name it, we... There, there's nothing that would exclude them from being able to play. And basically what we do, we have one game a week and the kids, they don't keep score. We, we've had two teams both seasons and basically we pair the player up with typically a peer aged buddy that would be familiar with the game that basically does anything that the player is unable to do on their own. So say if they are in a wheelchair and they need help fielding to get the ball when it gets hit to them, the buddy would pick up the ball and hand it to them and let them do the next step. Or, you know, we have kids who are in manual wheelchairs. Our buddies will push them around the bases. We have kids that maybe, you know, on the spectrum and it's not always, they're not always there like wanting to 
say, play softball, we might have somebody out in the outfield chasing dragons. That's okay, too. But basically, we give them that space um, and that time and that flexibility, you know, to get out there and to play a sport. Because a lot of these kids are kids that have watched peers and siblings over the years play and they've never thought they were going to have that opportunity to play themselves. So this has been really life-changing for some of these families. I mean, the one mom's like, this is like every special needs mom, like mom's dream to have their kids get to play in a team sport because, you know, she never thought that would happen. So we make a huge deal out of things like the picture day and stuff like that, because these are the first pictures that these kids are going to have on their wall you know, holding their bat and they're wearing their jersey. And it's just, it's been so amazing. And these kids really help me too. They, they really keep me going, you know, because I, again, like when I was struggling with wanting to use the cane and stuff, you know, we have a kid that didn't want to get out of the car because he didn't want to use his wheelchair because he's, you know, young. He doesn't, he didn't want to use it today, you know? And I'm like, listen, dude, I can totally understand where you're coming from right now like I feel you 100 percent yeah like these kids they're amazing it it has just been inspiring and our daughter the one that I was talking about the youngest um she is one of the buddies and it's just been a great experience for the whole family to be involved my son is one of the coaches this last season and then our other daughter is also a buddy so it's just it's been an amazing program. And I'm so excited to see how it's going to grow because we're really pushing to get the word out there. So the biggest thing has just been getting the word out because once the word is out, like I have parents calling and they're just like, wow, like we had no idea something like this existed. You know, we have a family that drives an hour and a half to get to us um, to play each week. So because this is they don't have that many options. So it's, it's just, I'm, I can't even like say enough about it. It's just been amazing. What a sense of accomplishment. I, I mean, I know that you do it for these families, but you're creating an opportunity that it's like what you said, you're creating an opportunity that they may have never had in their lives. Yes. And hopefully it, it will grow from here, as you said. So we're going to include a link to the website and to the news stories about the program. And hopefully, you know, if it's in your geographic area, maybe it's something that you'd be able to get your family involved in as well. I think it's a really awesome opportunity. And if everyone who is, you know, could if everyone who's listening that's part of the community could do something you know, create a program like that. Like, think about how much better we can make our world. So, and I know it's not always possible, but, you know, again, it's that idea of being an inspiration to others. And, you know, you go through so much as it is on your own and you're still wanting to give and give and you you truly make me want to like get up off the couch and like do more, you know, and I appreciate that so much. And I hope you have that same effect on on our audience. Hopefully, at least one person. I always say if I could just one person. I love your spirit. You've been a pleasure to have on the show. And I think that you are really going to make people want to act and think about, you know, how they can be more 
productive and and um, organized with their lives to make things just a little easier on them and their families. So I I really thank you for sharing your story and for being so transparent with our audience because I know they're going to benefit from what you've had to say. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And like I said, I I always will take the opportunity to to hopefully change at least one person's mindset and I'm an open book, so like there, there is never anything off off limits. I will answer questions always. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. I encourage you to browse other Energy in Action podcast episodes. I'm so inspired by the resilience of those in previous episodes, and I know you will be too. 